Today on Inside the Ropes, a special Masters review. I look forward to a big announcement in the summer of Australian golf next year. And God damn, Andy's put some absolute rubbish scattered all the way through this show. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. Huge week, Inside the Ropes, episode number 203. The Masters for 2021. Back where it belongs in springtime over there in the US. Done and dusted. Fair bit to talk about, uh, Mark Hayes. Uh, the best man in the world to do it with. Hello, Hazy. That's a big rap, Andy, but thank you very much. Well, yeah. we couldn't get Chris Vernon, so we've got thank, you instead. Thank God we couldn't no, get, we'll get the... I'm very nervous about where this podcast is going. Oh, in preparation, right. listeners, for this, oh. Andy's been singing away. It's been extraordinary, so I'm very nervous about where we're heading here. What's going on in Augusta? Oh. If, you haven't heard, if you haven't heard Chris Vernon's Masters rap updates yet... Now's a good time just to push pause on the podcast. <laughs> Go find Chris. In fact, in fact, without further ado, Hideki Matz. So he's doing updates, right? He's from The Ringer, which is a big podcast uh, broadcast network over there in the United States of America. He's out there, Chris, and as is this. But there's something about it that was just magical. Here is his... This uh, is not my fault, everyone. This is his homage. So you don't have to leave the podcast. This is his <laughs> homage to Hideki Matsuyama winning the Masters. You better call your mama. It's a Deki Matsuyama. Yo, you better call your mama. He's got dogs and people in bear suits and Spider Man, and he's got his little wingman over in the record studio doing all the whoop whoop noises. I just thought it was absolutely top-shelf stuff. Chris Vernon, good friend of Inside the Ropes, listen to the podcast. Well, he may not after what I'm about to say. <laughs> right. I'm a fan. And you and I agree too much on this show, yes, and here's we where we're going to differ. <laughs> that is absolute tripe. No, you're an old-timer. You're, you're, no, show, you're showing your age here. No, not at all. I this mean, is... I- this is a lead. This is a, br- an, oh, this is a branch to our younger, want, our wannabe youth audience. Come I'm, on in. We can, make, we can make golf cool. I actually think that this is sending the cause of rap and hip-hop back 25 <laughs> years. I mean, Eminem and all these great crew, Kendrick Lamar, Tupac, all these people that You just Googled famous rap artists. No, so I, I can I, see you I, typing I, away I, over I there. I definitely did not. I'm a big fan of Eminem in particular. I really like his work because it's clever in the lyrics department. Tommy Fleetwood wrote back to this bloke saying, that is top shelf best thing I've ever heard. Over a million people have watched this stuff. And the universally, oh universally, it has been loved. Oh, I thought it was great. This is, we haven't even. Have you, have you, are you going to sing one for us? Because um, I'm the only person who's sung on this podcast goes, so there's far. There's one. He goes something like he goes. Um, he goes something like, "Hang on, I'll get the words right." Here. He goes, "Mm-mm, what about Max Homer? Mm-mm, he gonna put you in a coma? Mm-mm." <laughs> and that's the sort of gold. Oh. That's the sort of gold he goes with. Oh my. Gold might be a, <laughs> at least one step too far. Yeah. Well, give us a feed. Give us your feedback. Tag us in if you haven't. Don't oh. worry about my singing. Go and find. You need to see because it's very much a visual as much as it is an audio experience. Find Chris Vernon. Surpri- surprisingly enough, they're equally as bad. No, no, it's magnificent. Oh, I love Andy. it. 
Um, so we'll play a few more on the way through today because <laughs> one's not enough, and my version doesn't do it nearly uh, the credit it does. Big show today. We're going to catch up with Nick Dasty. There's a bit going on on the local front. We'll get to that later. You're going to announce the visionary of the year if they're still going to come on the show after that. Well, I'll test. Jay Bethel is um, probably a bit nervous coming on with us after that. I'm not sure if she's a big... Uh... Massive fan of Chris Vernon. No, I'm not sure. Massive fan. Oh, Saw well. her tagging herself into Chris Vernon's <laughs> Twitter account. We'll chat to her later. Uh, great. Um, what did you make of it all? Well, Andy, before we go, mm. I know that we probably should just, you know, masters, masters, masters. Oh, no, no, of course, I've got yep. one really key bit of news I want to get to people. Um, I've been waiting for this for um, over a year, I reckon. Oh, hello. The Golf Australia app. Oh, I know. Is out and about. I've got it. Um, I, we're going to have Simon right. Magdulski on to talk more about it next week. Um, but uh, look, the app's out. We copped a lot of stick. Everyone knows that. Um, it's out and about now in, yep. the, in the app store. You can get it through your Google Play or your Apple um, Apple Store. It's all there. Go and, go and grab it. It's going gangbusters. I uh, really think it's a quality product. People will let us know what they think of it, but it's there. We're really proud. Um, it's been a while in the making, obviously, but it's it's a cracker. It's a little cracker. It's yep. a real beauty. And yep. so what's happened this week in the past sort of 10 days is we've been sending emails around. If you're a member of a club anywhere in Australia, you should have got an email by now, um, by the time you're listening to this anyhow, um, that gives you the instructions. You just need the same log on details as you do to get onto the website and check your handicap as it is. That's the thing that will get you onto the app and yep. away you go. And, you, and your life, your golfing life won't be the same. It's really cool. Folks, I downloaded it in, I reckon, a minute, less than a minute. And uh, I am a complete moron when it comes to this stuff. If anyone can stuff up the downloading of an app, a very simple process these days, it is me. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it's it's there. It's, op- it's operational. It's functional. It's clean. It's a lovely design. All the information that you're used to having is there. Um, away we go. With one bonus addition that I reckon is a cracker. And we'll talk, as I said, next week about this in more detail with Simon Magdulski, who's been a key part in getting it up and about. It's got notifications, Andy. So oh, that that's when true, you yeah. just sneak a quiet little 38 points at uh, Peninsula Kingswood, I can see that you've decreased your bandit status and <laughs> I can see what your new handicap is. So <laughs> it does this with all the mates that you want to follow. You can know, you can get notified oh. about what they do. So if you, it's not good if you're trying to sneak out of work, I can assure you yeah, of that. No, that's but, no good. Just but, make sure you know who's connected to you. <laughs> yeah, but it's really cool. Honestly, it's great. I'm not just saying that. I just want to point out the last round I had, this is just between you and me, but I don't know what happened. The card went in. It wasn't, we weren't online. There was no oh, – we're, we're St. Andrews Beach. I put the card in and had 42 points. Ooh. Didn't win the comp. What? It hasn't appeared. It's not there. It hasn't appeared on my uh, – so I don't know what's happened there. Was it an official – It wasn't an official comp day, no. Well, there's your answer. Yeah. But – oh, so that's it, is it? That's what happens. Yeah, these are comp rounds. That's how your handicap's calculated. Oh, but it's – so not every round, even if it's a signed card and there's a comp of the day at – I think you'd have to make – well, let's ask Simon that. Let's yeah, okay, make right that a point yeah. of reference because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it needs to be a comp. But he might say if you pre-organise it, it can count towards your handicap, but you yeah, might have to pre-organise no, it no, or no, at problems. least make official that's, representation. That's probably it. So, um, oh, there you go. So I still am very much in the bandit category. <laughs> uh, not that I'm playing. But anyway, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that next week in more depth. Back right. Well done to everybody, by the way. Who's yeah, thanks. Got that, uh, it's not to me. But... No, no, no. But on behalf of everybody through you uh, who's um, – had their um had their claws in the in the construction of that. Well done, Thanks, Andy. 
are huge. We, um, if you haven't read me, my Clayton's piece on the pressure on Hideki Matsuyama on the Golf Australia website, do it, find it, have a read of it. Clayton understands the global dynamics of um, you know international golf more than just about anyway. anyone. He under he he had an appreciation that we I think we all had, but Clayton's sums it up beautifully in this piece. The pressure that he didn't even display any real hint until he got to 15. And even then, it wasn't. It didn't seem to cripple him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to talk about this with you because I reckon it nearly did cripple him in the end. But to be fair, he started off the, the final round a four-shot leader. And by the time he walked off the first green, that mm. lead was one. Mm. His bogey and a couple of birdies um, ahead of him and, and his lead had evaporated. Yep. And I thought the way he started was wobbly. And on the fifth, the par four dog leg left around the corner, which is effectively the hole that killed off Sander Shawflay yep. in reality, yep. not not the not the sixteenth. Yep. yep. He's made putt a magnificent par from oh. the bunker short layup, and the putt he rammed it in. It was going to go twenty feet past. It was, yeah. but it yep. was dead center. Yep. It had to be dead center. Uh, and from that point on until the top of the hill on the fifteenth, uh, he was outstanding. I will say to you that, Andy, I reckon yep. there were signs that he was wobbling a little before that, and he got incredibly lucky Oh, there's to no me. doubt about that, and we'll talk about this. Yeah, yeah, on, the, yeah. on the 13th in particular, and his, his drive and his second shot weren't that great. The hit off, the knock off that tree was... The knock off that tree, yeah, that could have gone It could have gone. In, it could have been dead. That could have been up on the 17th... That's true, yeah. No, the 14th fairway, rather, yep. and he's... Then he's going to be scrapping for a bogey. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That that was probably his biggest break, to be honest. The the the, the lucky the lucky bounce off that tree. Correct. Was probably as big a break as he had. That's his. Other it's than, hard when he's so far in front, but that's his Fred Couples moment. Mm, that's yeah, his ninety ninety two ball on the bank sort yep, of Fred Couples moment. Yep. Um, but I will say. I love him. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Please don't get me wrong. I think it's great, and he's a great winner and deserving and a really good player. Important for world golf, all that stuff. But I do think um, that the actual key moment comes when the leaderboard is resolving itself on early in the round, and the people left to chase him are all in the same category yeah. as him. Really good players with a history of not quite getting over the line in major championships. Yeah. So by the time it gets around to the key moments, he hasn't got. I think not. Put it this way. Nine more holes, John Rahm wins that by three. Yeah, yep. Because I think he's the one who's got the runs on the board. Not necessarily in major championships, as it turns out, but he's the one who knows how to close tournaments down, big ones. He's proven that. Uh, but if you look at the leaderboard, um, we've got Will Zalatoris, second, yep. in his second major championship, and not, not even a member of the tour. So square through the back nine. So he didn't light it up on, on, on the Sunday when it really needed to. Shawflay, despite... Carrying your um, sometimes probably a couple of shekels, but always your support. He's never done it. Like he's a he's one of the most consistent major major championship players we've seen in a long time. Mm. Um, hasn't got over the line. He shot into sixteen. We're, we're very polite in golf. We're very polite. His shot in, into sixteen was horrific. It was fascinating to hear him talk about it afterwards. Well, did, so what did he say? Well, he actually said that um, he and his caddy. Uh, talked it through at length and they were umming and ahhing about which shot to play and he tried to ride a hard eight iron to that back flag with a draw because that's his shot. Uh 
And he said, in hindsight, he hits a seven iron and cuts it up into that hill and lets it trickle down. But he was basically saying, I had to hit it hard. And I may or may not have hit it, a, you know, half a groove off. But the, well, wind, he did. the wind smashed it in the midair. That's what everyone said, to cut him some slack. Yeah, and he's only, if you look at it, it bounces two metres. If it flies two metres further, it trickles forward or maybe into the bunker. But it wasn't that bad. And Cam Smith was in that bunker and got up and down mm. quite easily because mm. um, he got the backboard there. Mm. Um, yeah, look. It looked, it looked at te- for a bloke who hits it so pure and, and was hitting it so well, it was, it was a, he flubbed it. And which, which plays to my point is yep. all these guys at some point have hit shots where they'll go, oh, geez, that was bloody awful, to be honest. So, that was yeah, awful. So, and and yeah. unfortunately, Mark Leishman's in that same category. Yeah, yep. And, and all the guys who woulda, coulda, shoulda, um, Justin Rose accepted there, haven't really done it on a major championship stage. Does well, that Rose, make sense? Am I no, no, up no, the wrong well, tree? no, no, no. I, I, I think, I think, I don't disagree with, with what you're saying in in its totality. I think what happened um, on Sunday was no one, the ones that even no one really came at him. That's right. Like Spieth and Ram were too far back, so it was a 65 on Saturday that wins it for Matsuyama. That that said, that gave him the cushion. We well, got out to a six shot lead at one stage. He did, and it was it, five. Was it five? Or it might have been six. I think it was thirteen to six at once. Okay. 13 to 7. 13 maybe. to 7 might have even been. Yeah, actually it was. It was 13 to 7 yeah, there. Yeah, You're right. Very briefly it was 6. Yeah, yeah. So they, so the ones that you've mentioned, Connors was 4 over the front 9, Rose 2 over the day. Leash, um, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the Australians in the next break. We'll, we'll dedicate a whole segment to them. Spieth and Rahm were too far back. You mentioned Shawfly early, but, you know, he, he, he sinks his chair. He, he had to get up. I know what you're saying about 5, but he had to knock. If he had a put... His tee shot on 16 to 10 feet, mm-hmm. which everybody was doing. Mm-hmm. Everybody was doing. Then we get to see what Matsuyama's made of. That's then my, we really get to see it. That's probably my point. Yeah. Is because he we, he was put under, you know, if, forget the Japan thing and the world yep. global golf yep. thing. He was not put under scoreboard pressure that's, until yeah. that very hole. Yep. So we, he made a really soft bogey himself. Yeah, he did. And it was just the fact that, as I said in commentary, how many times can you be under the gun in the Masters, walk to the 16th tee, make a terrible mm-hmm. bogey, like a, not a terrible, but a flat, mm. you know, boring bogey, and have your lead over your nearest and most likely rival increase? Extended. Oh, it's, no. it's, yep. it's a really bizarre set of circumstances because mm-hmm. that whole, as you say, everyone, at least one person in most groups on the Sunday in contention hits it close on that hole. Absolutely. It's a birdie hole. It is. With that pin there, yep. bit, when it's cut up on the right, either forward or back, it's a hang on to your hat sort of hole. But back left, mm. choppers can get it back to that pin sometimes. Mm. Case well, those, in, those you, you're looking at a case in point. <laughs> right. And I'm, it's just, it, it is just uh, unthinkable that he didn't have the pressure to sort of really put him under the gun. Mm. Uh, he's dodged a lot of bullets, I reckon. Yeah, I know. I completely agree with that. Uh, that, that, so when I say he didn't look like he was un- he his demeanour on the day seemed level. Yes. He didn't look like a bloke who was wearing it. Who knows what he's going on, what's going on internally. But he ca- demonstrably and physically, he, he seemed to carry himself quite well to the eye. He didn't, he wasn't throwing clubs. He wasn't cussing. He wasn't getting down. He, there was none of that. And he was probably allowed to do that by virtue of all of the things that we've just spoken about. Yeah. The fact that no one really came hard at him. 
Uh, and when the moment arrived and Shawfly makes the four at 15, he makes the six. And it was an unbelievable six in the end. It was he, he hit he hit that shot from down exactly where Feldo said he should hit it. Mm-hmm. Feldo said, "This is what I'd do if I was him right now." He hit it to the inch that Feldo described he should have hit it, and then gets away with the bogey. And that was the that by virtue of having the four shot lead coming down fifteen, I think it was. He was able to do that. Like mm. he was able to do that. I can burn a shot here. I can lose a shot there. And then when Shawfly hits it in the water, well, well. I don't have to do anything here. No, just hang on. Yeah, just hang on. But again, <laughs> and it sounds like I'm really potting him and promise you I'm no, not. No, I know really like you're not. Him. No, no, I know you're not. I can tell. Yeah. He hits a cracking drive up 18, mm. which is realistically the last shot that can go wrong for him out that funnel that we all know. Picks up his tee like before the ball's gone 25 metres. It was a beautiful trial. drive. Yep. That wedge he hit was bloody awful. Mm. Mm. I mean, that was a that was a 10 handicap a wedge. Mm. Um, but the fact that no one had put him under the gun, it was the thing. Yep. So, yep. you know, he's got the two shots. And I thought the commentators were quite insightful, um, to be honest, at times. As you say, Nick Feldo there, and he also talked about, you know, the Olympic opening ceremony, which we might touch yep. on again in a second. But um, that par on 17 was critical mm, to was. him. Yep. And, yep. and Zalatoris ahead needed to make something happen mm. on the on his 72nd hole, and he hit a shocking approach yep. or a shocking drive and approach, to be honest. So it was just – it all fell into Hideki's lap there. Yep. Two-shot yep. lead up the last. If it had been one, obviously we'd be in a playoff. The, you know, on face value, we'd be in a playoff, but I reckon it could have been worse because the pressure would have was starting to tell. Well, even in the end, Zalatoris had to make a – what do you make, a 10-footer for par mm. on 18? He had to make a great putt on 18 for par. So – it could have been even a bit more comfortable for him at the end. Um, he lights a torch now. I mean, the, the 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 serendipity of it all, you know, given what's happening, you know, in the middle of the year with the Olympics, no matter what they, irrespective of what they kind of ultimately look like in this kind of COVID era, he lights a torch now, doesn't he? Yeah. So Nick Faldo said that mid-round, and I'm like, really? And then you start thinking about mm. it, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to profess to be a Japanese, Japanese. sports no. expert, but. No. He has to be a contender. There's been a couple of great swimmers and um, a few good gymnast, gymnasts, etc. But I'm not sure any of them carry the gravitas that golfers do in Japan. Uh, I think golf is such a major sport, as, as Clates writes in that article you referenced. It's yep. such a massive sport in Japan. Did you know there are 35,000 driving ranges in, in I, Japan? I, I knew there were tens of thousands. They're everywhere. They're on roofs of buildings. They're all... Uh, on tops of car parks, they're yeah. everywhere. They're all over the joint. Amazing. Yeah. So because they, they've got no golf courses. Yeah. That's relative. Right. That's, that's their golf. And they're all out of town generally. Yeah, that's not, right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I remember. I remember the first time I went to Tokyo, and I'm driving out of the yeah, airport. Rel- relatively. Yeah. 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 I remember driving out of the airport and seeing um, a driving range, and saying, "Now taking applications for memberships." <laughs> Thinking, where the hell am I? <laughs> Anyway, it was bizarre, but yeah. that, that's the the importance that they place on golf, which is fantastic. So it's very hard to see him not having a key role, whether it's actually, you know, hitting a seven iron across the the main Olympic Stadium into a cauldron. Yeah, I don't know, but um, oh, I like it, uh, well, a flaming golf ball, that sort of thing, you know. Oh, hazy, <laughs> you are. You don't need Steven Spielberg. That's not exactly a you know a floating victor above the oh, Olympic Stadium like or something. That Andy, but, That's magnificent. But you know what I'm getting at. Like he's yeah. going to be involved heavily here, and and um, his career. It, put it this way, he's going to make 
$2 million or something US out of that tournament. That will be chicken feed compared so, to what else he's going to make in the... Somebody has told... So this is completely un, unresearched. Mm-hmm. Any regular listener to the show will realise that that's not <laughs> unusual for me. But somebody said yesterday to me that that they anticipate this could be a billion dollar yep. for the Matsuyama Empire. This could be a billion dollar That's windfall. I heard the same thing. Not million, but 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 billion, as in Bernard Langer. <laughs> but billion dollars he can make out of this. B for Bernard. Yeah, yeah. I billion think, dollars. Yep, yeah. that's golf in Japan. Yeah, um, Ryo, Ryo Ishikawa. Um, has been the highest paid athlete in Japan for years. I love him. He's a, he's a really cool bloke, but mm. he hasn't done anything to deserve that. So the, we've spoken about this in the past. My first, and you, when was your first Augusta experience? 11. Mine was 10. And that was the thing out of all the things that strike you from a media perspective. And there's, there's hundreds of things that strike you. There's there thousands of things that strike you about Augusta National. But around the media, the old media centre where it used to be, where a lot of the interviews were conducted, sort of you know at the door and under the tree, there was no interest in a player that rivalled the Japanese media interest in Ishikawa. It was not it even was, Tiger. It was not even Tiger. No one, nowhere near it. And that year was fascinating because it was the Tiger year. Come back, filled with the had issues and, um, you know, Amy had cancer and the whole thing. And there are a lot of big stories rolling in the lead up to that Masters. But the the focus, the focus, the number of Japanese media there and their focus only on Ishikawa, they were not interested in anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tiger Woods could say, guys, I'm over here. No, we're not interested in you. We want to talk to you. It was, it was mind-boggling. I agreed. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It was my first taste of it as well. Mm. Um, and... I think I've told you this story before, but when um, I dared criticise Ishikawa at the 2011 President's Cup at, at Royal Melbourne, yeah. um, you know, it was like I'd shot, lined up four or five Bambies and killed them oh, all. God. So um, it, it's extraordinary, yeah. the, the level of interest. And also, many people have said this, it, that probably played into Matsuyama's hands as well. The fact that yeah. by COVID, by virtue of the COVID regulations, there was just not the normal horde of yeah, media there. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, fair point. Because he's not a media performer. No. Let's not judge him. Like all the guys in the President's Cup team who have experience around him reckon he's a great bloke mm. um, and, you know, quite chirpy and funny and whatever, but he's not a great media performer. If mm. you're judging him by that, you're going to have a, a different opinion to those who know him. Uh, so he wins first time, third Japanese player to win a major, first male Japanese golfer to win a major. Uh, it's, it's you know, significant for all the obvious reasons. Um couple of takeaways before we get a break and talk to the Australians. Jordan Spieth is made for this place. It's just ridiculous how he um, it brings out the best in him. I reckon, uh, I reckon of all the people on the leaderboard, his score is about right. Mm. Everyone else could make claims that they could have been, yeah, could have, would have, should have. Yep, yep. He just makes the most ridiculous shots on a daily basis. So he misses ones that he can't believe didn't go in. Yep. And, and it's fair enough. I get that. But they are counteracted by the shots that he makes that go in. It it is extraordinary yeah. where he gets the ball in from. Eight starts here, five top fives. It's you know you're mad if you're asked to do your top three next year and you don't have speed somewhere in the conversation. You're a bit mad. Will Zalatoris, like for a lot of people, it's a name that will be unfamiliar. Um, he's as is often the case with these. Like this guy's no overnight overnight success, and 
irrespective of what he... And I'm not raining on anyone's parade here, but irrespective of what he's done in last year's US Open and the Masters here, there's absolutely no guarantee, based on what Will Zalatoris has done in the past, that this is now the, the, the launch point for the next great American golfing career. This bloke has got a... It's got a he's got a lovely, neat um, career biography... But there's nothing that says, oh, this guy's a phenom. There's absolutely nothing in there. He's won three um, amateur events, three, you know, US Junior amateur back in 2014, Walker Cup. He won won two other um, amateur events. He was a you know, good, a very good college player. He's only won once as a pro, and that was last year on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's 24. It's not as if he's, you know, just stepping out. He's been around for a little while. Not 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 for he's not thirty. Mm. But I'm just I know that a couple of the American commentators, Brandle in particular, is all in on Will Zalatoris. But I'm just gonna watch this space with this kid. It's I hope he has because I think he's good for golf. He plays quick. He hits some great shots. But maybe you'd be interested to just see where his career arc goes from here. Did you see Adam Sandler's tweet about him? <laughs> I saw people referencing the tweet without having seen the tweet. The tweet basically oh. makes reference to the fact that he, that Zalatoris looks very much like the caddy he in Happy does. Gilmore. He does. And just to, to his character, he's come off the course at the end of the day um, and tweeted back to Adam Sandler saying, Perfect. I'm ready to go, basically. Oh, oh, so that's, time... all, that's all right, is it? Yeah, that's okay. But when but when Tommy Fleetwood tweets back to Chris Vernon, you got issues with that, have you? Um, I think Adam Sandler's um, tipped things down the sink that has had more talent than the song that oh, you I'm would. just going to play something. Hey, what? Sam, have you got another bit of Chris Vernon? I don't care which one. Just play another bit of Chris Vernon for me, will you? Tell me, please. Oh, good. <laughs> Never up to no good. Ooh. He's got me pretty good. Ooh. Hair whipping in the wind. But see, it's not about the, it's the, they're making the lyrics up as they go along. I hope so. It's not about the strength of lyrics. They couldn't possibly... A grade two student would be devastated if that was what they came up with if they'd written it. Before we get a breakout, I won't speak to the Australians. Chris Vernon, you're a superstar. Have you got any other specific takeaways? Um, yeah, I think I'd like to actually give Brandon Shambly a bit of a prop for, oh, no, for tipping Zalatoris earlier in the week, he which did. is fantastic. Yep, yep. And I'd like to give you By a By the way, a... They, they, do a great, they do a great job, these blokes. They, the the, the oh, length, they just... It's extraordinary. It really is. Yeah, it makes, yep. It's embarrassing yep. how much effort they put in yep. as opposed to what you and I no, do. They do a great job. And Brand, <laughs> Brandle's not the worst. No, um, but I really just want to reference your your um, selection last week of your winner of, of, oh, uh, of the 85th Masters. I'm off. I've never seen... Um, a selection be oh, run, one, done, whatever, in the first half a dozen holes of a major championship. Oh, he was shot, was... finished, all over. <laughs> Rory McIlroy. Put the for bags those... in the boot of your car and drive home, Rory. Yeah, no. He's it, it, actually, in hindsight, when you hear his press conference, which we weren't privy to when we recorded last week, mm. uh, his cue was in the rack before he started. Yeah, okay, that's true, right? Because swing changes and all the stuff he's working on. And yet... I was listening to – this is where I got hoodwinked. I, was, I, I spent too much time watching Masters live on the range. And I don't know who it was, but one of the swing gurus was saying, he's ready to go. He's got this – he's got the – Have you ever seen someone on Masters know, live on the range say, oh, my God, no, Mars no, swing no. looks bloody awful today. I reckon he's going to chunk it into the, into the patrons pretty, up the left side of the they're, first. They're pretty positive. Let's oh put it over the top. All right, so, he'll, look – 
One of the worst tips I've ever heard, Andy. One of the worst. I oh, know. I wear that. Do you reckon? <laughs> um, is he? Does he ever win at Augusta? Uh, well, or is a horse bolted? It's a it's a pressure thing coming up soon mm. because he's done it. I think six or seven times now. Gone there with the with the career slam on the line and been unable to really get close. Mm. Maybe well, that's a bit hard. He's been top ten a few times, but. Every time he goes back there, the conversation starts up and away he goes. So he's not only going to have to have a Masters winning game about him every time he goes back, he's going to have to deal with the mentality mm. of it all. And when he stands on the you know, the 10th tee with a three-shot lead in the 2023 Masters, it's not over. It can mean too much to you. It can, it can actually mean too much to you. Yeah. And it's got to that point now with Rory, I reckon. Yeah. Every time we have the discussion, which we have like five or six times a year, who's best is the best, I sort of lean back towards him because mm. I just think he swings the purest of the people who are in contention for mm. that. Mm. But right now, um, he's not winning a Masters. And he, if they play it 10 times the rest of the year, he's not winning one of them. Mm. Mm. No, no. I, I, no, I, I completely botched that. And um, <laughs> I'll, uh, I fall on my sword. My my last reference is John Rahm um, of the non-Australians. I thought um, he looked ominous mm. when he got rolling mm. and what a week you know he's become a father etc um you know if you if you if you're scratching out a names into the 2022 trophy you probably do worse than than him yeah and one one yet but he'll get he'll get there you're 100 percent convinced he wins one uh no i'm actually you know what we started um talking about how many majors brooks kepka was going to win mm. three That's three right. years ago and, yep. and you go oh my he could win 12 he could win 15 and it's He'll be lucky to get to the first tee in mm. a, you know, outside of a, um, a walking frame. The mm. way he's going, that's true. Uh, it's really, really, really hard to win these things. Mm. And I keep saying to you and others, um, when you're at the top of your game, you've got to strike because the right. clock's ticking faster than you think. We'll have a chat about one of ours uh, apropos of that in a moment. We had to break. last one, the Masters app. It is, <laughs> it's, it is ridiculous. It, it, it's it, actually ridiculous. Best app in sport. It's ridiculous. If you haven't downloaded it and you just download it, pick a player, every shot on every hole, every round is available. Yeah, like you can just trade, you can track. You see it all. It's, it is truly amazing. If the, if the tournament started at five o'clock on telly here, um, I set my alarm for about half past four mm. so that I could get up and watch the two or three Australians who were, who were on course early. And I watched their entire rounds. Yep put it in the my group category on there, watch their entire rounds, um, and you're ready to go full of information by the time 5 o'clock comes around. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. Extraordinary. It really is. Right, I'll break on Inside the Roads. We'll have a chat about the Australians uh, at the 2021 Masters on the other side of this. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to the show, Inside the Ropes, post-Masters edition 2021. Uh, we've done sort of the, the big ticket stuff up the top. So have a chat about the Aussies, Hazy, and you can dive in as deep as you want. Uh, only one missed the cut. That was Jason Day. I saw an interview with him on the range on one of the days, or whatever day it was. Must have been early in the week. It was. Um, you know, but before the tournament had started. And he looked, and I know we spoke to Benny last week, and Jason stated, I want to get back to number one. If that interview that he gave is any indication of where he's really at, he got no hope. He just doesn't look like a bloke who's happy with where his golf's at, 
the game he's playing, and he's, I mean, that was reflected in the performance here. Um, he's got to get, and he's sliding. He's going in the wrong direction. His last 17 tournaments tell a tale. Um, he's gone from 35 to 52 world golf rankings. It's, it's, it's not where, he's not clearly where he wants to be. Now, can he get back there? Let's all hope so. But it's, it seems to be as much a game in the brain for Jason Day at the moment as anything else. Now, maybe it's the physical um, restrictions that he's enduring that is affecting his outlook. But he just didn't look like a, get the impression of a bloke who was, you know, sort of chomping at the bit to get out there and have a crack at this thing. I am to swing analysis what your man is to rap singing. Yeah, well, like, well, so no good. Very good. No, no good. Well at done. All. Well done. No good at, at all. Unless you're paying homage. <laughs> I watched his first drive on Thursday and thought, oh, God, you are as stiff as a board. Mm. And it went, it faded right. Like every person who's listening to this on the weekend, just about to run from their car and get up to the first tee in 20 seconds and hit the ball without a warm up. Clearly, he'd been warming up beforehand for hours. That's how it looked to me. Mm. I take it for with a grain of salt, Andy. I've got no idea about swings, technical assessments, but he didn't look like the Jason Day no. of, of five years ago, six years ago, when he was top of the world. So I know that a lot of the things are mental, but to me, it didn't look right either. And uh, for what it's worth, you know, I, I thought before he hit his second shot, which I think went onto the middle of the green. So he was still right there, you know. It wasn't mm. a, that big an issue. Um, I thought, no, you, you're going to have a long time. And if you if you want to have a course where you're worried about your back uh, being an issue, Augusta National is not where you want to play. It's uh. so hilly, so undulating, left, right, front, back, all that stuff that we all know about now. Um, tough for someone who's mentally nursing an injury. So maybe we grain of salt that result, but it was flat. Seventy-seven, seventy-six. The numbers, you know, tell a tale. He was miles off it. Um, those last seventeen starts, uh, zero top fives, four top twenties, five missed cuts, one with one WD. It's just a not. It's not a good look. The the, the, mm. the the board doesn't look good. It just looks like a bloke who, when he's too often, he's off, and when he's off, he's he doesn't he doesn't get anywhere near it. Mm. Um, just I just. Yeah, I'm a bit worried he, about Jason. He acknowledges that, you know, he's come out of a bad spot. Mm. So he, he's got, um, you know, he can talk to his form on the board there. But uh, as I said before the break, it, clock's ticking on him here. Yeah. It, I, it, I really, and for him more so than others, by virtue of the way he played, even when he was at the top of the world, it was such a physical swing. Like yeah, it was yeah. right at the end of his tether every time he got on the course. Um, you just hope that something hasn't gone wrong is what we were thinking. And look, let's hope it hasn't in the big scheme of his life. But right now his golf doesn't warrant conversations of returning to number one. He's got to just get competitive again um, and be consistent with it as well. Mm. That's a uh, bit harsh. Well, we it's only harsh against what he states as his own That's good objective. Point. Good point. And what we know he's capable of, and 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 this is so. This game is so. It's clearly so hard. Mm. It, it's hard to be the best player in the world, the official number one player. It is very hard to get there. So whether he's saying that to try and convince himself somewhere in the mm. you know that 
art of positive thinking. That's what it's. He's, I've got to say this, or or it will never happen. Okay, that's that's that's. We understand how that works, you know, the psychology of sport. But So he's now six spots behind Matt Jones in the world rankings. Mm. Take that for what it's worth. Yeah, well, that tells you that. Okay, so let's wait and see. Adam Scott uh, finishes last of the of the players that made the cut, but um, once. I can testament to Adam Scott that he actually stood around and gave interviews after his rounds because clearly he was headless. Um, yeah. If he wasn't a lesser bloke, he wouldn't have done that. Um Never seen him look more frustrated with what was going on. Mm. He just didn't have what he expected to have mm. for the week. Uh, that's a massive, you know, just, I don't know, just one week that he can forget. Yeah. I just, I'm not quite putting any question marks on what he did. It's just one of no, those weeks. Of course. Um, you mentioned Matty Jones, tied 26 plus one. Wow. Uh, said after the, after the final round. And he had this lament a bit a couple of times. I reckon I couldn't have scored worse. Mm. I got nothing out of the round. There was that. That was the theme of of he looked. He looked so comfortable standing on the first tee on day one. He looked. Oh, I'm happy to be here. And so I I watched. He was very early off. Yeah. And I was like very glued, early glued to it. Might have been the second group. And he and he missed a few greens, but he his chips or his lag putts or whatever, they were all literally within two or three inches yep. of the hole. Yep. He looks, looks so composed for someone who missed the cut terribly the last time and only other time he'd been to Augusta National. And I thought when he settled through his first five or six holes, he'd explode. Um, as it turned out, he, he didn't on that day. But his iron play got better and better as the as the week went on. And he he was also frustrated as hell, and that's not his demeanour either mm. with his putter because it just played no favourites for him at all. It was uh, it was really impressive to me. I'm going to actually put him in the impressive category. I'll give him a tick because that's his first four round look at that course. Mm. Um, his interruption his his preparation was interrupted terribly when he last played in 2014, having rushed there after his win in Houston. Um, this time with a bit of re- refreshing. Post his win recently, uh, he looked good to me, mm. and I'm disappointed he didn't take another bigger leap up the world rankings. Because if a couple of putts drops, he really rockets up, and then would the world really starts to open up, and then we get to see the real Matt Jones. Mm. Oh no, he's terrific. I, I'm, I think he warrants the the big tick you gave him. Cam Smith, just another you know top ten, uh, three under. <laughs> he just. He and Leishman are tied at the hip at this tournament. It's, there's something extraordinary going on between the two of them. Um, but this bloke is, you know, and again, he was frustrated. I think he thinks he should have finished. And he did. There were a couple of, he got himself, he should have finished a lot closer. There, he made a couple of blues, you know, throughout the four rounds that set him back um, to a position that cost him any chance of winning this. But he probably played well enough to win the tournament. Yep. Yeah, I reckon he said he's, he's, uh, Ability to judge the speed of the putts wasn't yep. as sharp as it was last year. Yep. Um, but other than that, I think his game was, you know, pretty much on point and he's young, mm. very young. Oh, so yeah. he's, yep. he has got chances ahead of him. But as I said, as I keep saying, you've got to win him when you're playing that well. Yeah. I mean, you can look you can look back at the leaderboard and you go, gee, the people at the top of that leaderboard who might say coulda, woulda, shoulda, he's one of them. Mm. No, he is. I agree. But that's agree. that's three top tens in the past four years at that course, which is remarkable. We'd normally celebrate that with gusto, but I think we think he's got something better in it. How old is he? Twenty nine? Yeah, twenty eight, twenty nine. So so the next seven or eight years, 
based on what we're seeing in golf, he's he's in it now. He he is now he's now world class, and he's in it. Yep. So the net, whatever he's going to do, he's going to do in the next seven to ten years. Yep. So it's coming. So it's right. He's now now is the time. He's twenty seven. Okay. Well, he's got he's got a very he's got a very very uh, encouraging decade in front of him. I reckon. Let's get let's buy every stock you can of Cameron Smith because I reckon it's worth buying. Yeah. yeah. Mark Leishman, now I know you want to talk about this. I'll set it up for you. The opening hole on Thursday, birdie. Friday, birdie. Saturday, par. First hole, Sunday. Middle of the fairway, left side, if anything. Perfect angle to a, 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 a what do you call those the, things? The, a collection area yeah, the where the bowl, hole is. Yep, yeah, yep, bowl. Yep, That's the word yep. I'm looking for in the front right, frontish right of that green. Gettable. Left to right player, gettable. Having said on Saturday night their time that all he needs to do really to be in contention here on Sunday is get out of the blocks well. Pulls it. Miles. Like he, It's 20, yeah, 15 to 20 metres left of where Miles. he's aiming. Um, doesn't get up and down. Um, his... Shot to the third, um, equally tough, tough pin, really oh, tough br- pin, brutal yeah. pin. That's yeah. that's my favourite hole in the course, by the yeah, way. Really? Yeah, I just think it's an amazing hole because you can hit, you, you can do anything. A, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. hit a six iron off that tee yep. and be in a better place than somebody who's hit a really good driver. Yep. It's fascinating. Yep. It's a great hole, especially when the pin's on the that Sunday position, front left. Um, awful, sorry, but no good. Mm. And here he is. Um, made two bogeys in the opening three holes in his final round. And he's done everything that he said he couldn't afford to do about yep. his need to challenge for the title. And as this is happening, by definition of the way the course is set out, there's people making birdies on the second and some will make birdies on the third and, and he's losing ground. Uh, I just, I just, he's my man, Andy. Oh, we were flat, mate. We're all, the nation was flat. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I love him. and. Yeah. I was just like, oh, God, it's over. Mm. It's over. It was. Um, And I thought he putted as well. He was second in um, putts per green after, I'm not sure if it was round one or round two, it sort of slipped my mind, but he was putting beautifully and not playing that well Mm. from tee to green necessarily. But on the Saturday and Sunday, he hit the ball generally really well, particularly Saturday and got nothing for it with mm. his putter. His putter was deplorable mm. um, on Sunday. It was lot, so many putts, short and low. If you think about where he is, Andy, if he if he pars, if he pars the front nine on Sunday morning, mm. he he's the one, you know, along with Spieth, had he done the same. Who Matsuyama looks back at and goes, "Ah, oh, shit, yep. he's coming." Yeah. He's coming, yep. and he just didn't have his name there. And and it's uh, he'll look back at this and go, "That's if he doesn't win one a green jacket, which he may well, yeah. but if he doesn't, that's the one that got away because he's in with that bunch, as I said with Matsuyama earlier, of players all of the same ilk who have got really good resumes, but haven't got over the line in a major just yet. And we all know how close he's come a couple of times. We all know that. We understand it. And and this is not potting him. I just think he'll look back and go. God damn yeah, it. He's perfectly poised. And so many times he hit good shots and, and he's, you think, if he can make this 
maybe he believes, and then then we get on a roll, mm. and the putt was short and low, and it's like, oh, leash, you're killing, mm. you're killing us. Yeah. And I, no wonder we'd be hurting more than him. No, I mean, he looks he looks like he's, you know, just won the the chook raffle down at the local pub because he's smiling, and he's happy, he's mm. a great bloke, he really is. But inside, I bet you he's spewing. No, no, he has to be. You know, he's been he's been close enough, often enough now, um, and they know they know what what it means to win a major. They know what it means yeah. to, to in terms of where they where they are and where they go to if they win one. You know, look, and you've said it, when Justin Rose rolled the putt in on 18, there was a, they pulled away to a shot uh, where you could see Leishman, and it's not the Adam Scott moment from 2013 where he was revelling in his playing partner's successes. But again, Rose knocked in that big sloping downhill two-tier putt that went straight in, and Rose is doing the... You know, creeping behind it and having a look. Leishman loved it. Mm. Leishman, he his ability to um, take delight out of his the playing partners that he likes, their successes speaks volumes to him as a human being. You, you've said what you've said about him. You know him better than we do. Um, I think that says a lot. Character is with him forever. You know, irrespective of the wins and losses and. Um, He'll be a very, very, very popular man, whether he wins or loses, loses. But he's going to be a very popular winner if he ever salutes in one of those things. That's six times in the top five, I want to say, in a major championship. Yeah. It's like maybe it's six times top ten. I'll just double-check that yeah, in a second yeah. here. But, like, you know, he's building a career that is truly outstanding. Mm, mm. You know, he's made a lot of money. Um, it just His beer's good. <laughs> His grass is, is exceptional. He's exceptional. I don't know. He barracks for Richmond. That's a bit of a downside. That, but, you is, know. that is. You can't yeah. help that, though, can uh. you? Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, he would, despite some of the things that some American journalists have written oh, yeah, about him, about, he yeah. would be one of the most popular winners going around. There'd be no one in the locker room, and I really hope we get to see it. Yeah. I really do. So that's it. Uh, we've got to get to the visionary of the year on the other side of the break, which we'll, you told us about. You can remind us about that when we get there. Uh, that's coming up next. Nick Dasty is going to join us a bit later on as well. It is Inside the Ropes. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. And as promised, another very special guest here to join us. Uh, we've had a lot of feedback on our visionary of the year awards that we've given out. And we have announced proudly that the Metropolitan Golf Club in Melbourne is the recipient of the March Award, and joining us from Metro is a board member down at that famous Sandbell Club, Jay Bethel. Congratulations on the prize, and welcome to Inside the Ropes. Oh, thank you very much, Mark, um, and also thank you to Golf Australia for choosing Metropolitan as your visionary of the month. We were pretty excited to receive that news. Oh, I bet you it went down really well in the halls of the club because it's it, it's really going places, isn't it? I would have thought that from the outside, Metropolitan looks like a you know, a fairly traditional sort of a club, but there's a lot going on behind the doors, aren't there? Isn't there, I should say? Uh, look, Mark, I think that's right. We are viewed as sort of as a traditional sandbelt club, but I think um, if you see and hear about all the things we're doing at Metro, we really embrace progress. And I think also our vision statement tells the story of what's important to the members. So it's um, that we're inclusive, egalitarian and progressive. And I think behind all of that too, we have a great male membership who are behind the equality and equal access for women. So that really supports the changes that we want to make. So Jay, just on that, it's one thing for a membership to have those things written down into the vision statement, etc. It's another thing to live them out. Who's the driving force behind it? Because it really, if we go into this here, there's a lot of things going on. 
Look, I think um, there's a, a large group of people who are the driving force behind it. Um, there's the, the women, obviously, um, really were keen to have equal rights, you know, on the, on the timesheet and equal rights across the club. But that being supported by the men made those changes very easy. But to actually make progress, you need a big team. And I think our board and the general manager, Peter Pack, really support the process of change. Um, it's part of our statement in the strategic plan. Um, we have a fantastic group of people in the, in the pro shop um, who have created all the programs and also Mark, created a very friendly environment for women who are coming along to all these clinics to, to participate. Um, but also hospitality has been really important for us um, so that when these women come into the club um, they, and they have a cup of tea, they get welcomed and looked after or if they're a bit lost around the place. Um, and the members also who play with all the women, the new women um, who come in. So I think it's um, a, a sort of a total club team effort. It's not just one person who sort of makes the change. I think that's a really critical point uh, and it doesn't just apply to women, it applies to all new members. If you don't make them feel welcome when they first walk in the door, you may as well not have had them there in the first place. So that's great to hear. Can I ask you, Jay, specifically about Target 75? Uh, I know it's in line with the Vision 2025 goals that Golf Australia has laid out um, nationally, but you guys have taken this to another level, haven't you? Well, I, I think we took it very seriously. Um, we have KPIs in our um, strategic plan, um, which aim to have more women and girls and juniors in golf. And so we had to set out programs and a pathway forward to make sure that happens. So, yes, we now have, have a fantastic um, sort of three-step approach. We had our first women's tuition program um, that has just finished with 12 of the 16 women joining the club, um, which was very exciting. And we've got another one starting on the 1st of July and, a sec and, and our third one on the 1st of January next year. And I think they've been incredibly successful. The women have really enjoyed them and it's been very important to us. So Target 75, you, you want to have uh, 75 new female members by 2023, is that correct? That's correct. And, and also along with that, your KPIs. And, I, and I, I'm, I'd like to hear the numbers here because... I think that having targets and being able to tick them off or work harder towards them is something that all clubs could focus on around Australia. There's some great targets you've got in terms of uh, representation on the board and, and other aspects of the club too, aren't there? Yes, oh, absolutely. I think, again, um, the club has always supported having women and or both genders on all our committees, and we have a target for each gender on the board and all committees and working groups of 30%. Um, and that's actually already successfully in place. So we've actually picked that one off. Um, and I just want to reinforce their targets, not quotas as well. Yeah, so it, what happens there? If you, if, you, if, you, if you get to a certain number, you can keep pushing on, or if you don't quite make a target, what's the, what's the process there? Well, I don't think we've actually had any problem reaching the targets because we have a lot of women who are very interested in helping um, in the various committees across the club. Um, and we have um, created a skills matrix um, so that we're aware of who's interested in what their skills are. So where there are gaps, it's um, very easy to find someone to, um, you know, to come onto a committee or onto the board. This is amazing to me. That it's so progressive. Uh, can you tell me, uh, I understand you've, you're heavily involved with the Women's Tuition Program. What's that all about? Uh, well, the idea, and again, I think it was supported by Vision, our, our targets, but also supported by Vision 2025 at Golf Australia, that we actually created some strong programs to get women 
to come into police clubs and actually experience what they were like rather than just going, oh, you're a traditional, um, you know, old-fashioned club. And so the program was created um, and it was very important to, to um, have a generous coaching program. Um, the girls who completed the last course said it was very important to have um, access to the course because um, they had full access to the course just like the members do. Um, so it helped them to get to know the course, meet a wide range of the members um, and it made them feel comfortable around the club, getting a taste of what being a member would be like. Um, so I think uh, it's it's been a very, very um, positive program for us. And I see, you know, this is taking it to the nth degree, Jay, but I see that that's uh, benefited the, the men in the club, the new men in the club as well, because it's highlighted the fact that they need similar programs and, and coaching to get fully involved as well. Oh, look, I think that's right, Mark. Um, I think there was some feedback of why, um, if the women have got all these wonderful clinics, could we do something like that for the men? So the men now have um, clinics set up for them as well. So it's been a bonus um, all round for all members. Now, you guys have won the $500 Drummond Golf Voucher as the March winner, and you're in the running for the $10,000 worth of products from the latest Callaway Reva product range, which is uh, going to be, uh, I guess, contested through the year. The winner will be announced later in the year. What's the plan for the $500 Drummond Golf Voucher? Um, I've got absolutely no idea, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might leave that to the pro shop and to the general manager to work that out. <laughs> that, 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 do, do the club members take that on board, though? I mean, it, it's one thing to um, have these things sort of listed in a, in a, in a high-ranging sort of mission statement somewhere in the annals of the club, but seems at Metro that they've taken that on board. I'm assuming that that $500 prize, not the actual $500 from Drummond, but the, the notion of being rewarded on a national level is, is pretty important to the membership. Oh, yes. Look, I think it is important to the membership. We're certainly, um, you know, all over our member news for quite some, you know, weeks um, so that all members were aware of it. But when I was talking to people, you know, about this podcast, I think they said one of the things that's so important to them is being is seeing the women um, and the success of having more women coming into the club but also they said overall it's the inclusiveness that the club has you know we, we feel like we can we're all equal members we have equal rights um, and so I think that's also what's really important to us. So gone are the days of the dreaded associates word Jay? <laughs> yeah, no we definitely don't have those definitely don't no. have those no we're all equal we all have this we pay the same um, subscription and we have the same rights on the golf course. I mean, men and women can play every day of the week, morning or afternoon in our timesheets. And I think that's um, a fantastic statement to be able to make. And you've also moved the club championship finals out, I believe, to, to the weekends. Yeah, the club finals were moved to Sunday, so the men and women can um, play together and make it a fun club day. But in addition to that, Mark, we've also made it a multi-day club championships for the women's because we don't want to discriminate against women who work. So it meant that you could qualify for the club championships on either a Tuesday or a Saturday. Um, and look, that took a little bit of um, uh, discussion and education, but I think now we were in regards that is very fair and reasonable that you know all the working women and the students can be involved in these um, club champs and all the other important events around the club. So now just for everyone listening here who's considering this at their own club, I just want to make mention of a couple of the numbers that I'm aware of um, at Metropolitan. 
Um, 70 members in positions of governance at the club and more than 30% of these are already currently held by women, including 27% on the board. And the target, I believe, if I'm, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jay, but is to have uh, a member, a female membership of 28% by 2023. Is that correct? That is correct. And already up to 25.5%, which is um, a great improvement and well above the national average, probably 20% above the national average, unfortunately. But um, just if you are setting goals, I'm imagining, Jay, if you don't mind me saying that Metro would be a great club to get in touch with if you want to set club goals wherever you are listening to this around Australia. Absolutely. We'd be very happy to talk to other people about our, our procedures and our process and what we've done to um, make, make the goals um, an actuality. And I just want to say also, from the total of 16 women who joined our women's tuition program, 12 joined the club on the 1st of April. Um, and that's part of an intake of 19 women joining on the 1st of April, which is you know 50% of the new member in, intake for the 1st of April. So it's, it was pretty exciting figures for us. Phenomenal. And well on the way to our sort of target 75. And I can imagine that it will likely snowball too as the word gets around a little bit more. It makes it easier to sell the second time around. Look, that's right. Well, there's been a lot of applications for the new um, women's tuition programs. But I think the other thing that's really important to us is getting women and children into golf, whether they come to our club or whether they come to our club for a short period of time and then go somewhere else. And to that extent, I think um, it's also good for people to be aware that you can come to a club like ours and do your coaching. You can join in the clinics. You don't have to be, you know, a member because we really want to support women um, and juniors, well, and men in golf. So anybody can ring and have um, coaching at Metropolitan. Well, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast and you're vaguely in that southeastern Melbourne region, I, I, I couldn't push you to a better club. I just think Metropolitan's fantastic. Jay, I'm not saying that because I'm talking to you. It's my favourite club to play. Uh, the course is always <laughs> magnificent. So if you are considering this as a young woman, uh, listening to our podcast, please go down and take advantage of that amazing offer because it, it's a club you'll never forget. That's for sure. Now, Jay, just call I'll... us to have a chat, or just call us to have a talk about it too. We'd be very happy just to talk people through what their options are. Yeah, well, that's an amazing offer. Thank you so much. Um, while we are talking to you, I wanted to uh, just make mention. Unfortunately, the club's in a sort of a period of mourning over a very famous name there, Michael Fitchett. Um, bit of a legend of Victorian sport all round, but his passion was the Metropolitan Golf Club, unfortunately passed away recently. Uh, yes, no, the club is very sad about the death of Michael. Um, it's a tremendous loss to the club and a sad time for his family and friends. Um, he's, he plays regularly on a Wednesday afternoon, the group called the Wags, and they played tribute to him last week, um, holding a seat at his normal table during the lunch wow. and having a minute's silence to pay their respects, which was pretty special. So um, yeah, seven, he, was, he was very talented. Seven-time club champion, Jay. I didn't realise that until we started writing a bit of an obituary for him. Yes, I think a seven-time club champion, but he was also um, just an incredible sportsman and someone who contributed to so many different aspects of our club, both as you know as captain and president, but also just around the club in pennant and everything else. Yeah, I, I, and I also learned, I knew that he'd played football for Hawthorne, um, but he also, I didn't realise he'd played a handful of Sheffield Shield games for Victoria as well. And he was also um, a member of uh, management of teams that took Victorian teams away to national competitions and also um, got as far as the Eisenhower Cup uh, as a manager of an Australian team, I think, in the mid-80s. So he's a 
genuine legend. Um, so very sad days there for Michael Fitchett, whose name is on the club championship men's trophy at uh, at Metropolitan. It was Jay, a, a sad note there, but it is a time of celebration at, at Metro. Um, again, congratulations. We're really um, proud that Metropolitan Golf Club uh, can win that award. The Visionary of the Year our winner for March. Um, pass our congratulations on to Peter and Dale and all the crew in the pro shop and around the rest of the club. Really, um, it's a great place to visit. And I, I'm really appreciative, Jay, not only of your time today, but the offers you just made to some of our listeners. Oh, look, it's a delight um, to talk to you. And um, really, we really appreciate the award. But also, thank you very much for having us in, on Inside the Ropes. Perfect. Jay Bethel joining us on Inside the Ropes. Uh, we'll be back with another special guest, Nick Dasty, on the other side of this break. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to the show. Um, obviously, the focus has been over in uh, parts of the world uh, far, far from our shores this week. But the attention turns pretty quickly back to Australia. There's, there's obviously a pretty important tournament going on right now down at Moona Links and some terrific news yesterday out of Queensland regarding the PGA Championship of Australia, a man who's fundamentally involved and I'm sure thrilled about both prospects is Nick Dasty, the PGA of Australia's tournament director, part of the pod here at Inside the Ropes, part of the family, and he's been good enough to join us. Nick, a big cut. Well, it's a big day today. We're recording on Tuesday uh, afternoon. A big day today because the Q School started down at a pretty blowy moon of links, I'd imagine. Yeah, g'day, Andy. Hazy, how are you? Um, yeah, it has, it has kicked off today and Although bright and early, uh, around 7.30 when the first groups were going out, it was pretty good. It didn't take long before the the wind sprung up and the, the winds that were forecast uh, are well and truly here now. We're at, you know, we're at lunchtime now and uh, it's getting pretty pretty strong out there. They're probably pushing 40 plus K an hour and um, and the scores are starting to reflect it. There was, there was a few that got off to, to decent starts, but I think as we... As we stand now, we've got three players under par, um, Mick, Dave Michaluzzi uh, and Daniel Gale, all sitting on one under sort of through 11, 12 holes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's getting tough out there. So uh, it's a great test of golf uh, across these next four days down at Moona Links on the open course. That is exactly how Peter Thompson would have oh, wanted yes. that course going. I he wouldn't yeah, want any definitely. sort of nice 22-degree days with calm, benign conditions. No, I think um, I think Peter, uh, if he'd been around uh, about six, seven weeks ago when we when we played the PGA Championship, the Vic PGA Championship, and then the Moona Lynx PGA Classic back to back, the scoring was was outstanding, but the conditions were outstanding, and and certainly around the Open Course, it wasn't it wasn't meant to see eighteen under par winning a four round tournament, so a bit more reflective of uh, what he would have expected. This week, I think um, the conditions are meant to be pretty blowy each day, so it'll it'll certainly be a test across the four rounds. So, Nick, what what are they playing for? Uh, they're playing they're playing for their jobs, Andy. Really, they're playing for um, they're playing for thirty tour cards for the PGA Tour of Australasia for the twenty one twenty two season, um, which I guess gives them the right. We're expecting probably a sixteen event season in two thousand twenty one twenty two. Um, that encompasses events, obviously, like the Australian PGA Championship, which you mentioned just before, and we were uh, thrilled to announce yesterday, um, and things like the Australian Open, the Victorian Open, New Zealand Open, uh, all the state Opens and state PGAs. So, 
uh, yeah, we're looking at about a 16 event schedule in 21, 22, which will be up, uh, includes, in, encompasses the TPS events as well. Um, so, yeah, they're playing for their, their right to be able to get straight into those events. Um, like I said, 30 cards um, up for grabs. There's 73 competitors this week at final stage, having already already held stage one uh, last week in Victoria, Sydney and Queensland. We had three stage ones. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're down to 73 players playing for 30 cards. Um, if they don't finish inside that top 30, they don't have a an exemption category on the PGA Tour of Australasia for next year. Andy, this is the one we always talk about on the, the Corn Ferry Tour. This well, is we the, should be watching. Yeah, know? I mean, yeah. We, we all yeah. pay, pay great attention Nick, yeah. to the TPSs and, you know, the PGA Championships, et cetera, of the world. But this is where, you know, like, this is really crunch time for so many of these guys. We obviously won't know the results until next week's podcast, unfortunately, but we'll, we'll circle back on this because this is make or break really yeah. for so many of these guys, yeah. Andy. It's yeah. really important. Hey, Nick, you mentioned the TPS. Are, are we, and I think we love them so much. Uh, are we likely to see any growth in the numbers of TPS events in the short term? Definitely. Uh, we are hopeful that we'll have four on right. the 21-22 um, season. Uh, the two that we already have, obviously the um, the one that was hosted by Jeff Ogilvie at Rosebud, TPS Victoria, and then TPS Sydney hosted by Braith and Astor. So they'll they'll both go again in uh, in that sort of January to March window of 22, which will be part of this 21-22 season. And, uh, and we're hopeful for adding two uh, in that 22. 20- one twenty-two season as well, which we're we're sort of working through at the moment. Um, so yeah, we, we're definitely looking at growth in in this season. But um, any uh, just back on the uh, I guess the the qualifying school, it is compelling yeah. viewing uh, the, the qualifying school. It's it's uh, for those that remember the old uh, PGA Tour qualifying school used to be broadcast um, when when guys were trying to get onto the PGA Tour and. Uh, there was some unbelievable viewing when you used to sit and watch that and things that happened down the stretch and the pressure that was on and the reaction. So it, uh, they're never pleasant as a player to be at a, at a qualifying school, but um, I think for those that love um, compelling viewing, uh, qualifying schools are, are a great thing to go along and watch. Well, someone's going to have to make a six-footer for, to get inside the top 30 or make a six-footer to make sure they don't slide out the top 30 late. There's going to be one or maybe even multiple of those moments. And mm-hmm. as Hazy and you, you both have said, Nick, that's the real deal. Like, that, it's, not, it's not making a – it's not, you know, Billy Horshaw making a putt a couple of years ago to pocket 10 million. He's already got 10 million in the kick. So Correct. this is this is the other end of the – and this is the real end of the scale, what we're talking about here. So, I um, know oh it's – you get nervous just thinking about it. Yeah, you do. They they actually having gone to a few few Q schools, they give you chills when you think about them. Oh, they're, uh, they're, they're not enjoyable as a player. Did you did you ever have one of those six footers for a job, mate? Uh no, I never never don't remember ever being right on the cut line on the last hole or anything like that. But uh, certainly had a few tense final rounds. So Royal Queensland, we're back there for the PGA, which is just great. I mean, we, I, we, I think we knew it was coming, but you always want to see the formal announcement. And the first week of December, we're going to be back there. It's um, and, and Queensland, we know, will throw. You know, they'll throw the weight of the state government. We saw an, Amanda Palaszczuk out there yesterday, spruiking it. So 
Um, it's just terrific to have it in the schedule, Nick, and to have full government support. And we've seen what that means to things like the Victorian Open. Um, and to have this sort of support for the PGA is a real shot in the arm. Yeah, it's it's definitely great to, to have it announced uh, now and formally down on the schedule and, and something for uh, people to look forward to, particularly the players. You know, it's been a difficult summer without having those major events on um, to have have this now announced and back on the schedule and um, doing everything we can heading towards December. Um, we're, we're really looking forward to it. The, the support of the Queensland Government, um, Tourism and Events Queensland, uh, Royal Queensland Golf Club, uh, it, fantastic, the Brisbane, Brisbane City Council. So to get the event back on, um, you know, we're, we're still obviously working through everything from a COVID point of view and international travel and, and there'll still be challenges um, but we're, we're extremely confident of, of being able to have a successful Australian PGA Championship uh, 2 to 5 December and, and really looking forward to getting back to Royal Queensland. It's, it's been nearly 20 years since holding a major event at Royal Queensland um, from a professional side of things so Really looking forward to that and, and seeing uh, the golf course and, and how it stacks up uh, with some of the best players in the world going around. My brain's telling me I said Amanda Palaszczuk. Of course, it's Anastasia Palaszczuk. So just in case. So I've got Amanda on the mind. I've taken Amanda's car park downstairs here today. So I've got Amanda on the brain. I, th- I think I said Amanda. So to Anastasia Palaszczuk, I do apologise. Oh, I just wanted to talk, touch base. I'm going to That was important that... that I got that out there, Hazy. No, right? So thank you for no, indulging no, 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 no. me. Good on you. Um, <laughs> I just want to touch on what you just said then, Nick. RQ, no offence to any other courses, but that's, to me, head and shoulders, the best one in that neck of the woods. So, uh, And I'm not denigrating other ones. Just, this one is a standout course, and it's, I reckon, a really good... I've been there for a couple of tournaments, the Australian Amateur and the, and the Interstate Series. I've been there in the last four or five years. It's a really good spectator course as well. Yep. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's an interesting one too because you know the majority of the front nine goes around the outside loop, and then and then the back nine's all central. So when you when you watch you know the back nine say on on Sunday and the tournament's coming to its conclusion, um, there's not going to be far to go between that sort of tenth and eighteenth and and that whole surrounding area. All the all the holes are quite close together, so. It will make for, for good viewing for the spectators that are on site. Uh, and I think it'll come up fantastic on TV as well. So well, mate, really we'll looking you, forward to it. We'll let you get to, out of your car and uh, get out on the, on the windblown Moona Links open course layout and uh, see how these fellas are, are going. We um, thank you for coming on the show. It's been, it's been a significant week with the announcement of the PGA, of um, the Australian PGA and the commencement of Q School and, I think we're going to have you in here next week. You're going to be in here next week, or next week or two. Yeah, yeah I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm going to come in for my debut in studio. So look forward to that uh, next Tuesday or so, when whenever we end up uh, end up putting it together. But yeah, can't wait. Good. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Andy, great to hear Nick's thoughts there, particularly around the you know the critical tournament at Moona Links. But there's another big tournament going on that's got a lot of bearing on the future of players. A lot younger. Uh, the Australian Junior Championship going on this week. Probably run and won by the time most people listen to this, but started Tuesday, uh, ending on Friday at the Gold Creek Country Club in the suburb of Nichols in Canberra. Okay. Um, first time it's ever held an Australian uh, National Amateur Championship. 
Um, it's held the Australian Senior PGA before, back in the day, a Bruce Devlin design course. Lovely track, as I said, in north of in the north of Canberra. Um, a huge week for the up-and-coming... How old are they? What, what sort of age groups are we looking at? Uh, up to 18. Right, yep. Um, but there's players I, I found out this morning, as you said, we were recording this on Tuesday. I found out this morning there's a player... Uh, I'll just search for her name in a second, but she's apparently 10 years of age she um, and was th- apparently she is, she's not going to grow at any stage before this is heard, Andy, but oh. she's, she was, she is three foot six. Oh, big, hang on. So 10 year old, three foot six. <laughs> From Linwood in New South Wales, Camilla Kimmel. I think she's a left-hander. 10 year old, three foot six. Yeah. And, and, you know, Camilla, don't know her. She's not going to win this week, mm-hmm. but she's got eight more cracks at this end. Yes. That's all I want to say, um, and probably will be at least four foot six yeah, by the I time she. I hope so. Yeah, true. But yeah. Um, amazing. A great uh, story. You know, it's a, it's a it's a, if you're in Canberra and you're listening and you can and you get this before the weekend, get out there because this is where all the guns mm. start to emerge. Um, and I could put a couple of names to you who I think will win, but um, you know. We will see someone who's made of stern stuff mm. who will bob up that I hadn't, you know, budgeted on. So it's sort of pointless, but um, really genuinely good, good, good golf. Oh, did you know, Andy, there are 51 of, I think it's 84 boys in that field now because it was meant to be fully equal. Uh, for the first time, boys and girls playing together in the mm. one Australian junior, which is awesome, um, didn't quite have as many female entries as male entries. So I think it's ended up being instead of seventy eight, seventy eight, something like eighty five. Um, fill fill the field out, yep. yeah, seventy one, yep. something yep. like that. Yep. Anyhow, yep. there are fifty one boys with a plus handicap in that field. Gee, that's strong, isn't and, it? And twenty eight yeah. girls. Yeah, it's it's yeah, amazing. That is, that is good. I know it's different the old days the handicaps, but fifty one mm. boys. Jeez, mm. yep, incredible. Okay, strong. Uh, anything else? Uh, yeah, I just want to make mention again, as we did last week, April is My Golf Girls Month, Andy. So I want you to get out with your youngsters and use the hashtag, hashtag My Golf Girls, my golf girls um, in social media just to get it up and about. We'll try and highlight a few as the month goes on here at Golf Australia, um, the PGA involved as well. Um, that's going gangbusters, mm. um, we, and we want to share the love. It's along the lines of see it, be it. So we want yep. to make sure that all the young girls in all our lives get the chance to get out and play golf. Uh, speaking of which, Get Into Golf is going great guns also. You can find out a lot more about that at, at uh, golf.org.au slash golf or one word. Um, huge numbers there, Andy. There, there are... I guess co-ed classes, but there's a women's class specifically. There's a seniors class specifically, and an all abilities class as well. So four mm. different categories there. Pick the one that makes you feel most comfortable and, and get into it. So here, here. huge, huge uh, advances I think in in being inclusive. Well, I'm just looking at our social media platforms, and a lot of people are declaring themselves to be under the age of 35 listening to the show right now, <laughs> and they are oh, saying no. Please, before you go, oh, no. can we just have one more little oh, taste and God. sample of Chris Vernon's work? So, oh, my God. to that end, let's finish on an absolute – let's make this a grandstand finish. I'll say goodbye to you. Goodbye. Thank you, for everybody who's I might listening. go 10 seconds early. Let's let – Sam, what we're going to do, we're going to play Chris Vernon out. So, it has been Inside the Ropes, episode number 203, the Masters wrap. Wow. And what better way to sign off with oh. another offering from the great – Chris Vernon. Mark leads with five under. Oh, oh. Mark leads with five under.